BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, Mike with Beastnet here, and on this special 150th episode, I have with me the original Beastmaster, Drew Hooper. How are you doing, Drew? All right. I'm doing well. Thanks, Mike, for the uh, introduction. Appreciate it. Oh, yeah. The the original. Uh, I know we've had you on before and we've talked about it, but let, let, let's give the, the newer listeners kind of a, a backstory of what we mean by the original Beastmaster. Yeah, so the so basically the the story is then and some again some of these uh, original OG beasts are still around, but back in well technically I think it was the, the end of 2014. Be totally accurate, I think it was the end of 2014. Um, I had started a group on Meetup that was you know all about working out for training for OCRs, and yeah. um, in that group. Uh, well, Brandon, he became, uh, uh, Brandon Chen became a member of that group. And we finally, once we got to like 15 members, we decided to actually meet in person. And so we got together at the Swiss in Tacoma. And at that time, all of a sudden, you know, there was this realization that the, that the folks that were there thought, well, this doesn't have to just be like a small local group. Why don't we make it bigger than that? So, yeah. Bottom line, that became the start of a Facebook group, which then became what is today, Beast OCR. And uh, I used to help lead the workouts at that point in time. And during one of the workouts, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon says, you know, yells out, he goes, that's Beastmaster, and the name stuck. And so I was, yeah. uh, I helped to found the team and kind of carried it along like Adam does today uh, with the leadership team. Uh, initially it was small enough that just one person could kind of manage the group. And that was me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I came in in May of that year. So or May of 15. Yeah, May of 15. So you guys started. Yep. Yep. Because it was right before the Montana beast. Cause one of my other friends said, Hey, you should check out this group. I'm like, okay. And then me and you, yeah. we met at the Montana beast as I was dying on the side of a mountain. I see this guy with a B shirt on, and I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I saw the B shirt, and I'm like, I I think I'm part of that Facebook group. And you're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Drew. And then we, yeah, you made sure you helped me finish that. Oh, dude, we helped each other. And and I totally remember because I'm like, we're going up together, and and I'm like, hey, uh, where are you from? And you, you like you mentioned you're from Washington. I'm like, hey, I have this team that I started. You should join. He's like, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm part of that already. And then the rest of the time, yeah. we pretty much hung together and helped each other through the thing because yeah, I was in pretty rough shape for that event, and uh, I mean it was a tough event anyway. But yeah, I had a lot going on oh, yeah. uh, physically for that event, so uh, I needed some support. <laughs> oh yeah, because it was it was you and Jason, and that was yeah, yep. that pretty much. That cemented me into the group at that point because after that I'm like, oh yeah, this is a group I want to I want to be involved in. So yeah, yeah, it's awesome, awesome. Oh yeah, such a blast. So I know, you know, you you started the group. You 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 were you know the original Beastmaster. Then you handed off to Adam, and now you've moved on to other other ventures. I mean, you're still part of the group. You still you pop up yeah. now and then, but 
Yep. You know, no, I, you're I not as active as you were. Yeah, I did a few races this year. We did, uh, you know, I did terrain race. Um, I did uh, Dirty Dash. I did the Spartan, uh, the Seattle Spartan Sprint. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we hit up a few. I feel like I did another one, too. But anyway, but yeah, we hit up a, a few uh, races this year and did some last year. And I think next year the objective is the trifecta. So that's something that I, I want to do next year. So yeah, definitely still participate, but uh, not not at the same level. That's for sure. Totally different than what yeah. it used to be. It used to be like a daily, you know, almost like a almost a full time job. It was a lot of work. Yeah, and no, and and I get it. Cause, I mean, I see what Adam does, and you know, the rest of people now that there there's a leadership group and a board and everything else. And I mean, I see what you know they do, and I'm on the board and all that stuff, and it, it's. It's a lot of work that goes into running the team. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know how you did it as no, one I, guy. Uh, it was really hard, especially when it came time for apparel orders. That was oh my oh. gosh! I'd work, work. I'd stay up so late packaging and shipping and processing apparel orders. It was ridiculous. The best thing I ever did for the team, in my opinion. You know, people can credit me for all sorts of things, but I got to be fair. The best thing I ever did for the team was give it up and pass the leadership yeah. on, pass the baton, because there's just a reality that, uh, at least where I was at in, in my life at, at that time, uh, I was not, I didn't have the capacity to, to keep it going. And it would have, I, I don't think that the team would be anywhere near where it is today if I hadn't passed on that baton to Adam and that he continued to kind of foster leadership in the team. I think, uh, I think it was the greatest decision for the team that I could have made. And that's probably the one. Oh, yeah. It was really difficult at the time because I was so attached to it. But I have to say that that's, if I were to like pat myself on the back for something, it would be the, the uh, that I passed on at the time. And I think that I don't think there was a better time to do it. It was, it was like perfect. And I couldn't imagine uh, what the team would be like if I hadn't have done that. Because the leadership team, what you guys have done, uh, so far beyond what I would have done so far. So super excited about it. I'm yeah. so proud. It's like it's like being a it's like being a <laughs> sounds retarded, but it's like being a dad and sitting back and watching your kid grow up. You know, it's super cool. Like I, I love sitting back and just watching what what the team is doing today. Yeah, and but I mean it's it's probably a good analogy though because I mean it really was it was your baby, and I mean it was kind of yeah. one of those things. I mean, I'll be honest. In the very beginning, when it first all transferred over, there was a lot of us like you know not to sound bad, we're like, who's this Adam guy and why is he suddenly the leader? But <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was some growing pains with Adam. I mean, you know, he did the the normal thing of I'm gonna I'm gonna be the man like who was. And I'm going to run it by myself. And it took, it took some talking, you know, from some of us yeah. and getting him to understand that you need a team behind you, man. You're the team is only as strong as, you know, it's leadership. And with you trying to do it by yourself, it's pulling yourself too thin, you know, like, you know, you, yep. you know, started to notice. So once he got oh, that absolutely. team underneath him, the leadership group, things started to really fall into place. And I, I really like the direction the team's going right now. So, yeah, me yeah. too. No, I'm, I'm so, so proud of what you guys have all done. It's like, it's so, so cool. Like I said, it really is amazing to sit back and watch. And one of the best things now, like, you know, in the early days, I'd show up to an event and there was no 
I mean, everybody knew who I was. I'd be walking and everybody would be like, oh, Beastmaster, Beastmaster, Beastmaster. And one of the coolest yeah. things now is that not everybody knows. And so one of the coolest things is just be able to sit back and see all the shirts and see everybody running around and seeing the camaraderie between the team. I mean, and but to do it like a fly on the right? And so yeah. that's one of the things I think is so neat is to be able to see how the culture continued and carried through. Because that's, that's, I think, what was so cool about, um, you know, uh, how we kind of fostered the culture of the team. And I feel like that has continued. And, and that's one of the hardest things, especially in the leadership transition. It's really hard to maintain culture. Yeah. And, I mean, there was – there is. I mean, there was, like I said, there was some bumpy roads in the very beginning. But it all, it all worked itself out in the end. And, I mean – I like where the team's going. I mean, there's a lot of good plans in the future. I mean, you know, there's the yeah. the pro team and the ambassadors. And I think they're going to revamp those for next year. Um, they're working on the, the first aid program, you know, which is going to be really cool as soon as somebody, <clears throat> me, finishes writing it. <laughs> Just one of my projects I'm working on. So yeah. it's it's one of those projects where you're like, yeah, I could do this, no problem. Then you start getting into it and you're like, this is a pretty big dang project. What was I thinking? But it's going to be really cool once I, I, you know, it's all finished and done. So it's going to be a cool first aid program. That's really, really designed for what we do. It's going to be, you know, if you're out hiking in the middle of the woods, what do you do if your buddy falls and has a compound fraction bleeding all over the place, that kind of stuff, not that just normal first aid of, Oh, what do you do when I can make a phone call and have 911 here in 15 minutes? What do you do when you're, five miles into a trail and you need to get him out. And that's what yeah, we want to, you know, like first that's what we're like wilderness first responder type stuff. Yes. But just a, a smaller, I'm actually using the first aid wilderness first aid program that they use for the boy scouts, but I'm going to oh, be, awesome. um, I've got, that's what I'm starting with, but I'm summarizing it down. Cause that's a two day, two day, class so but i'm going to summarize it down so that it's a a six to an eight hour class so yeah that's awesome yeah so Things i like mean that, that brings so much value right and that's that's like a, yeah. a true value proposition i love that oh yeah and that's it i mean there's so many things i mean if i was to sit down with you you know, in 2015, while we were doing the Montana Beast, and we were talking about where this team's going to be in 2019, would you believe me if I told you any of the stuff we're doing right now? You know, that's a great question. Um, so not not the things that you're doing now. I had some visions of things that I wanted to see come to fruition, um, and some of them were similar, right? So like one of the things that I really wanted to see happen was the creation of the nonprofit. Um, and yeah. so that coming together was significant. I wanted, um, at the time, you know, I really wanted to focus on uh, youth and, and a vision that I had was seeing, you know, members of the team working with youth to, you know, that were, you know, dealing with challenges, whether they were, you know, emotional related, whether they're physical challenges, but, helping them go through obstacle courses. Um, and I thought that just seemed like such a neat idea. Uh, the other thing that I really had envisioned was um, I wanted to get, you know, so I wanted to get the big teams, you know, so whether it's Weeple or, uh, you know, any, any New England Spartans, I wanted to get the teams to, to basically uh, create avenues to come together and do 
obstacle course races against each other, right? Almost like a, a oh. sports league. And to, to do things cool. like the Ridgefield obstacle course, you know, just a short course, like a one-mile course or shorter, and do, you know, competitive obstacle course racing. Um, and I thought that that would be such a cool idea. And so, so that was something that was always in the back burner of how could I get, you know, this to come together almost like a competitive sports team, you know, and that's yeah. where that's the direction that maybe like the, the pro team or at the time it was Beast Elite that maybe we could move into something like that where you'd have competitive heats and then you'd have other heats just like in a normal race, you know, other reasons that, uh, uh, that were non-competitive that anybody could just race people from other teams, right? So I thought that, that would be super fun. Um, but the reality is that the creation of these different events is along the same vein, right? Creating um, the unique uh, endurance events is ultimately, I mean, that was kind of part of the idea. Is how do we create things that are unique to the team, that can bring value to yep. the team, that can create new experiences that are, you know, specifically for the team, build connection, because that's the other thing. You do any of these events together, there is no way – that if you go side-by-side side with somebody in a go-ruck event, in a beast, there's no way you're going to leave that event not being connected with those people, right? So having these oh, events yeah. is just another way of trying to build that, that culture and integrate uh, people into the team and help build and foster relationships. And that, to me, is probably the, the piece that I think uh, has been executed on really well is creating these events where that people can participate in um, that helps to do that. I think that's really cool. I love that. Oh, yeah, I love all the events that we're getting into. And, I mean, you know, we've got the, the Beast Breaker and Ghost and all the endurance stuff that Adam's been building. You know, Brian Brian Kays and Brian Mays have both been working on different, you know, the Beast Challenges and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Brian Kays has been working with uh, the Summit to Swamp, Hazel Anna, down there to make yep. that event even bigger and using the beats to make that bigger and now we have that property to do stuff on too do you like challenges that are fun tough and might use tacos head on over to beastchallenge.com and check out our upcoming events including beasts 5k plus a combination of race and endurance event and the bucket mile keep an eye on the beast ocr facebook group for event gatherings for more information, head on over to BeastChallenge.com and the Beasts OCR Facebook group. You'll be glad you did. Well, when we first, like when we got first got the biggest team in Seattle, that was when we got the first one, wasn't it? Yeah. With Seattle, yeah, and yeah, that was, was the super. coolest feeling. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was the super. And, man, that was some, I, I mean, I don't know, I guess in a way I'm rehashing things that we've probably talked about in the past, but, again, it's been a few episodes, so... Folks probably haven't yeah. heard some of this, but, you know, the thing that I think about is, is, you know, when the team was new, one of, one of, if not, actually, I'll say the biggest challenge was simply getting people to sign up under the damn team. Like, it was incredible yeah. how difficult it was to get little bastards like yourself to sign up under the team. <laughs> so there were all yeah. these events, you know, like, like literally, we, I think, when I kind of crunched the numbers, that first beast, that Montana beast, we truly could have been the largest team, but nobody had signed yeah. up. I think only 13 people signed up under the team, but we had over 50 people there. But there's, yeah. you know, and, if, and, and we would have won. But, and then the same thing with the, 
the the one that was the hardest was the Portland or Washougal sprint because that year in 2015, uh, we without a doubt had the most members. And but again, nobody signed up for the damn team. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sitting here. And finally, I'm like, okay, I give up. This is ridiculous. I'm just going to go and make the stupidest, most ridiculous videos to just try to pressure people into signing up under the team. And it worked. You know, I made these really stupid videos about, you know, going and, and getting connected with the team and registering under the team. And finally, it caught on. And once re- people realized that there is, oh, yeah, it's, it's real. There's benefits to doing this then it got much easier, but yeah, that yeah. 2015 super, that 2015 Seattle super, that was the first biggest team that we got. And I was totally pumped about that. I'm pretty sure it was a super. <clears throat> yeah, it was the super, but see, a lot of people don't realize too, that that 2015 super was in October. Yeah. Because now it's the the September is the beast. It was October yeah, because April that's how I have most of us. Well, yeah, because there was no Seattle race in April. That year. Right. Because that was one thing. A lot of us, we did Montana because there was no, the only close races was Montana and Washougal. So we did Montana and had the beast. And then a bunch of us did Washougal. And then all of a sudden they announced that, you know, we were going to get a super in Seattle. And it's like, hey, we can trifecta. You know, I I didn't even think about that until all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then the next year they did the, yeah. It took like the whole year for that to happen. (laughs) It was so crazy. I I was so frustrated. When we didn't get it in Washougal, I was like, God dang it, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> but yeah. it finally worked. Nothing I mean, it was one of those things. Was just... that. Yeah, well, nothing better, too, than walking up to the, that tent and then being like, oh, you know, I really thought that you guys would get biggest team. And me shaking the leader's hand saying, hey, congratulations. You guys just pulled it together. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, now it's pretty much, you know, I mean, everyone knows. And I think that was the hard part back then is nobody knew. Like when I signed up for Montana, I didn't know I could even sign up for a team. It was just like, you know, I just kind of signed up, you know. Yep. So now it's like everyone knows. It's like, hey. Process. Yeah. So so it has definitely been good to see you the last couple of years, you know, at the races again. Um, I would say it looks like you've been getting healthier. You've definitely been doing something right. Yeah, so. I've been working at it. Still, you know, the fact is, I still struggle with that. You know, I mean, I've gone and, um, you know, I, I have a tendency to yo-yo, like I think a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. you know, so there's a lot of kind of self-discovery around it. Like, like how is it that you lose weight and then fall off track, right? And, and so it's been it's been a really interesting uh, journey, I guess, is the way to think of it. Cause it's been almost 24 months now of you know, this, this kind of, in a sense, like battling myself. Right. And so I I lost a whole bunch of weight through, um, all of 2018 was on, you know, doing very well. Uh, holidays came and kind of fell off the off track. And it was interesting how, and it's still something that just, I don't know. I guess I just, that the word is probably, I suppose, interesting is, is that it's amazing to me how for any of us who, you know, struggle with food. Um, I I almost think of it as like a food addiction. I know some people think that's silly. Others totally understand what I'm talking about. But it's interesting because it's amazing how if you fall off, how hard it is to get back on track, right? And what's interesting yeah, is how, totally. you know, to go through seven months of, you know, solid seven, eight, yeah, uh, no, nine, 
nine months of solid weight loss and exercise and knowing how good I felt throughout all of that process, that what's amazing to me is that when I fell off track, it took so long to convince myself that I would feel better, feel stronger, to get back on track. And that's the part that surprises me is how our brains will allow us to lie to us, right? And and that's a that's a tough thing. (laughs) It's super challenging because I I lost a bunch of weight, but then I gained a lot back and then started losing again. But it took a long time. That mindset back on track to say, no, I'm going to feel wonderful once I start doing this. But, you know, in the meantime, you're like, oh, there's no way I could do that again. It's it's the weirdest thing. I don't know. The psychology, I think, around, you know, weight loss or uh, anything like that, I think is just is just crazy. Oh, it is. It is. I agree completely. I have. That's been my biggest problem. I've talked about the, you know, quite a bit on the the different podcasts. You know, is that for me? I mean, I was doing really good, and then I broke my foot. And once I broke my foot, like I went into this mindset of my foot's broken. Well, guess I'm screwed, and sat down on the couch and started eating potato chips. And yeah. so I gained like all that work I'd done to lose weight was gone that fast. It was just like yeah. all that work. It's like. All I had to do was make the decision that, hey, my foot's broke. It'll be healed in six months. You know, probably won't be the same, but at least, you know, I can still eat right and do all that stuff. But no, it was like instantly my brain's like, nope, I'm done. And it's amazing how quickly, how quickly our mindset goes back to the bad habits. It's like, you know, it takes us so long to get used to and really push ourselves into the good habits. But the second something bad happens, our minds are like, boop, right back to the bad habits. Let me go back to eating yeah. potato chips and all that fun stuff because I'm hurt. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's wild and and um, and then sometimes too, what I would find and and I think people can relate to this too is you know I would find that that um, you know so I would have a bad day where I'd eat something like just one thing. Let's say I'd have a bad snack right in between breakfast and lunch or something, or maybe I I yeah. was running late and I stopped and I had a really crappy breakfast. You know, I stopped at, I don't know, Taco Bell or something and had breakfast there. That I would get this defeatist, and, and I still, so I say would, but there's a reality. There are days where I can still find myself thinking this way. But um, I would get this totally, like, defeatist attitude in that, well, I screwed up breakfast. That means the whole day is done, right? Instead yep. of going, well, oh, that was a bad decision. But you know what? The reality is I can operate really well for the rest of the day. Like, the brain just doesn't work yep. that way. It's incredible how, I mean, some people can do that very well. I struggle with it. Like, I have to really, you know, battle with myself around those types of conversations. No, and I'm the same way. I, I do the same thing. I have a real struggle with that of if, if I don't start my morning right, then my whole day shot. So if I don't start my morning, you know, what I've been trying to do is instead of having coffee with all sorts of crap in it, I'll have coffee and I have the, the bulletproof, you know, vanilla protein. And I put yeah. that in my coffee as a flavor. That's my flavor for okay. my coffee. So then I'm getting my protein that I need and I'm getting my, you know, the coffee that I want. So it's like, it's a win-win, yeah. you know, with no sugar, no anything in it, you know. And if I don't do that first thing in the morning, my whole day shot. If I don't do that, then I will... Be well, oh, I didn't get my coffee. I better stop at Starbucks. Let me get my 800-calorie mocha. And then, yeah. oh, well, since I did that, I might as well, you know, the day's already shot, so I might as well do this. And then it just, it, it snowballs. When all I really yeah. have to do no. is be like, oh, I've 
you know, I forgot to get my coffee. Let me get a drip coffee at, you know, Starbucks or something like that and keep my right. day going good. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll use a bad decision early in the day to justify my bad decisions for the rest of the day. And then, yep. <laughs> and then on top of that, I'll go, I'll say, well, I screwed up Monday. This whole week is shot. Next week I'll do better. Yeah. Right. And yep. it's incredible the stories that we tell ourselves and that the things that our mind is willing to, um, uh, you know, the stories that our mind is willing to create the self-sabotage. And so you know, that's where oh, yeah. one of the things I think about is that, you know, what I, I guess a, a concept that just, I don't know, is constantly sitting there for me is that, you know, we're designed to create. Like our, our minds, mm-hmm. everything about us is designed in one way or another to create. And we're either going to create for good or if we lack purpose, if we lack direction, we're going to find our mind will still create. It's not going to stop. But the problem is no. that without purpose and without direction, it starts to create in ways that really are become self-sabotage. And I think the greatest examples of that are when you think about, like, cabin fever, right? You put somebody out in a place by themselves for an extended period of time, they'll go nuts. You know, their mind will literally create an environment for them that is totally self-destructive. And it's like, why is that? Yeah. Because we're built to create. Our minds will create no matter what. And so it just becomes so important to try to help narrow down what is the purpose in this? Why do I want to be healthier? Why do I want to lose weight? And to give the, the answers like, well, I just want to be fit isn't enough. You know, to say, oh, I don't, I don't want to have diabetes isn't enough. Like, it's truly got to be something that means something to you. And that's what I think the hard part is narrowing down what that is. And then, two, recognizing yeah. that what worked for you one year might not work for you the next. You know, and so, so constantly reevaluating what is the purpose in this and why am I trying to lose weight? Why am I trying to get fit? Why am I trying to change my life? Because there's a certain yeah. point where what worked for you before might not work with you going on. And I'm a great example of that. I had great direction and purpose. But then I lost it because why? I hit a target. I hit the goal. Yeah. And so all of a sudden that's the other thing is recognizing that there's no finish line to this. Right? And to just kind of trying to figure out how do I fall in love with the journey and what's the purpose in the journey? Because for me, I hit, you know, my objective was that by December 1st, I was going to be under 200 pounds. For one day, I was 199 pounds. One day. That's yeah. it. And it's like I literally and just, just said, yeah, I literally just, like, it's like I just said, oh, I did it. I'm done now. And then I started to make bad decisions again, around my yeah. health. And I mean, so, so obviously the thing that, I, that was such a huge wake-up call is to, you know, I need to get out of the mindset that I need to achieve a goal in weight loss and that it's more than that, that I'm striving to just, you know, fall in love with the journey of what it is to yeah. live a healthy and fit lifestyle and that it's really that that I, that I need to identify and fall in love with, not the goal, not a target, in fact, I didn't even set a weight loss objective anymore. Now it's just about I want to no. try to maintain this type of a diet, this type of an activity, and recognizing that I should lose weight in doing that, but that the objective isn't to reach a specific target. It's all about just how do I live this lifestyle and make it sustainable, and what's the purpose behind that? That's awesome. And then because we see it all the time, I mean, it's 
I've heard this story from other people, the same thing of, hey, I have a goal. And then you hit the goal and then it's like, okay, well, I hit the goal. Now what? Yeah. And it's either, you know, either they find a new goal to keep going or it's like, woohoo, I hit my goal. Congratulations. I did it. Now I can go eat a big cake all by myself. You know, I mean, yep. it's, it's so you got to really the goal has to be not a certain number. It needs to be a, a lifestyle. My goal is to have this lifestyle, not, you know, to enjoy, like you said, the journey, you know, and the yeah. journey never ends. Yeah. yeah. And I think about too, you know, when I, so the initial motivation to lose weight in 2018 didn't come from this idea of wanting to hit a number. The number came later. And it's interesting because that ultimately ended up derailing me a bit, right? But I think about what were those things that initially, you know, kicked me off and got me to change the way that I was acting and the what things that I was doing and how was it I could make such a radical shift. All right. And now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Like what you hear? Make sure and subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're using YouTube, please click the little red subscribe icon, then click the little bell for notifications of future episodes. And if you could, give us a thumbs up. And we're back. The one piece that sticks with me and that I still think about today and has been just a, another, I guess, a, a fire under me to keep, you know, to get back on track is this idea that I am sick and tired of walking by a mirror or a window or any reflection and thinking to myself, you are a fat bastard. Yeah. That is tough. Like the, like, like we, we, I think we kind of take it for granted that, that we think those things, but there's a reality that every time you do, it is just literally ripping your soul apart, right? Anytime you yeah. think things like that, it is literally tearing pieces of you apart and almost reinforcing the behaviors to stay, you know, overweight or unfit or unhealthy or anything that's bothering you, right? And so... Oh, yeah. For me, one of the biggest driving forces was that recognition that, geez, every time I think that, it just tears me down. And how does that end up affecting the way that I work? How does it end up affecting my relationships with my wife, my kids, you know, coworkers, friends? Like, I literally show up differently if I am feeling positive about my life than if I'm feeling negative about it. Like, I will literally just yeah. show up differently. I could be the same person one day to the next, but... If I have that positive energy going on in my mind, I will literally show up like a different human being. And that was a huge wake-up call for me and something that I, when I fell off track, I started to come back to because I had that thought one day, it hit me, I go, oh, dude, you're a fat bastard. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm back to it again. I did it again. And then, you know, that helped me to kind of start changing things up again. Oh, no, I, I agree. And then you start getting not just, you know, the, the fat bastard thought, you start getting the thought of like other things, other things in your life that aren't going right. It's like, oh, it's because I'm fat, isn't it? Oh, it's because I'm, yeah. you know, and then you start, you start blaming, you know, the, the, the fact that you're fat, other things happening on the fact that you're fat and all, everything else. And it just, it becomes a snowball, Yeah, you well, know, and, and then of course, again, those negative, those negative thoughts like reinforce each other. So you know, I, yep. I look and maybe I'm not feeling successful at work or in my business. I go, well, why would I? Couldn't stick to a weight loss program. What would make me think I could stick to this? You know, yeah. so all of a sudden, any time there's something that you want to like commit to, you just go back to this 
to your body and you say, well, if I couldn't commit to that, how could I commit to this? And it's amazing how you can rip yourself apart just one piece at a time. And so, you know, whether or not people, you know, believe in God, don't believe in God, any of that stuff, there is a reality that there's some sort of like a, uh, a force about it, right? And maybe it's just internal, like, like it doesn't matter what you think it is, but there's truly a force around those types of thoughts and those behaviors. And if you are constantly in that space, it's like your mind literally wants you to fail. And so one of the things that, that I've tried to do is identify, my, am I listening to my mind right now or am I listening to my heart or my gut? You know, because what I've found is that my mind is not the one to listen to. It is constantly like oh, working yeah, no. against me, but my heart, my gut, like when you, you get in line to Jack in the box, <laughs> your gut goes, this is a bad idea. <laughs> this is not what I should be having for dinner. And your mind starts yeah. to go, well, you don't have a lot of time. Your mind justifies your heart and your gut. They don't justify, right? They literally yeah. let you know what's going on. And so I, what I've tried to do is just say, okay, I need to stop listening to my mind on this stuff. I need to listen to my gut and my heart. And if those things are telling me that this is an issue, it doesn't matter how much my mind wants to justify it. It's not okay. I can't make this decision. No. And technology has made it too easy. I mean, I'll be honest. Today, I mean, you know, I was, you know, because for work, I, I drive a lot and I go to a lot of different job sites. And I was coming from one job site to my office. It was a long drive. And I'm like, you know, I could I could stop at, you know, Subway. Subway isn't a bad idea. I could just stop at Subway, you know, and I jump on my phone and I can just order Subway right from my phone and stop and pick it up. And then I'm yeah. looking at it, and lucky for me, I happen to look, and I'm like, Subway, you know, Subway is a good choice, especially if I don't get the bread. I just get a wrap. It'll be great. But I look, and it's, you know, the sandwich I was going to order was 900 calories. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't it amazing? Is it? I'm like, do, do I really need that hamburger? Or, I mean, that, that sandwich? Or can I have, I have, uh, uh, my center council is full of uh, clip bars. I'm like, yeah. or can I just have a clip bar to hold me over till I get home and have some dinner? I'm like, I'm just going to have yep. the clip bar. I'm not going to go, you know, and it's, you know, that my mind was just telling me, hey, it's so easy. Just hit this button. And then it's like two blocks from my office. I can just pull in, walk in, grab my sandwich and go right to my office and I'll be good to go. And then it's like, but, you know, the, like you said, your gut, my gut's like, do you really need that 900 calories? Do you? Yeah. And I'm like, no, not really. I don't. So yeah. and that's that's the hard part is you get into those those mindsets where I, I tell myself like all the time, Oh, Subway, the two that I, my two favorite Subway and Taco Time. I'm like, those ones are healthy. No, not really. They're, they're probably health. They are healthier than like McDonald's or, or Burger King, but they're not healthy no, just because something's yeah, that's exactly better right. than the others. The stuff too, yeah, just because it's healthier doesn't mean it's healthy. Right. And that's the yeah. thing is that that's the stuff that our brain does, right? Our brain says, well, yeah. gosh, darn it. He, he, he's defeated my, uh, my desire to get McDonald's. So what can I convince him on next? Oh, Subway. Yeah. He, he should, he's dumb enough to fall for Subway. <laughs> so, yeah. so your brain just starts yeah. to come up with this stuff. And, and, you know, I think about, you know, it's so normal for us to, to, in essence, like get lost, right? To start something and to fall off at some point down the road. And it doesn't, it could be weight, it could be anything, but I mean, it's so normal for us to get lost. But the thing is that we just have to make sure that we've prepared our map and GPS for when we do get lost. And yeah. that's where I think yeah. about that, you know, that back to that gut and that heart of, you know, those are kind of our internal compass, right? And, and so if we can just turn off our mind 
and just really think on, you know, almost like the, the pilot, you know, have you heard about when the, the, the pilot loses their ability to see stuff? They have to rely on those, on, on all of their uh, altimeters and, and all that stuff. And it might feel like the wrong thing to go, you know, to pull up. But everything on those meters is saying you got to pull up, you got to pull up, and you just have to trust in those. Well, we have those types yeah. of, of compasses too. We just have to learn to trust them. And that's what I find is that, you know, we'll, we'll get off track. But, you know, the reality is if you prep yourself, you do have that GPS and that map to get you back on track. You just got to trust it and know to follow it and understand that when your gut's telling you, dude, don't do this. And I, and I don't know how many times I've gone into a line that, you know, for me it's, it's maybe you know, because where I'm at, you know, we've got Taco Bell, Jack in the Box, McDonald's. And I don't know how many times I've gotten into the line when I was off track. And everything in me is like, dude don't eat this. Like, just go to the grocery yeah. store, <laughs> get some nuts or something. Like, what the hell are you doing? And yet I still just go, well, I'm already in the line or, oh, well, yep. I don't have a lot of time. And so again, my mind kicks in and says, dude, don't listen to your gut. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. Well, that's for me. That's, that's why I started, you know, through all the clip bars, I literally filled my center cows up with different types of clip bars. Cause it's like, it's better than stopping at McDonald's. It's like, you know, all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, I need something in my stomach. You know, I forgot to bring something. I'm not going to be, you know, some nights I teach till 9 o'clock at night. Like, I'm going to be teaching all night. I, I, I'm i just going to have a clip bar because if I, you know, yeah, I don't want to go off track. And that's been my biggest thing is trying to, you know, that or, like I said, I the coffee was a big one for me. Oh, it's just coffee. Yeah. Coffee's good for you. Coffee, I and mean, it's not good for you, but there's not a whole lot of good calories in coffee. Well, there is when you're getting a white peppermint mocha. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, and, and yeah. what you're talking about with those bars and stuff is just is creating like these contingency programs, right? So that when things do get out of whack, you know, because you're going to hit, you know, it's kind of like anticipating the obstacles and just making sure that you have these contingencies that allow you to, to kind of audible and to like change and to, yep. to adapt to that situation. That's, that's something too that, you know, I started to like carry, um, I would pre-measure quarter cup of, of walnuts. Right. And I would just put them in a baggie and keep them in the center console of my car. But the idea that, you know, you got good fats and good proteins in there, very little carbohydrates in, in it. And any that are there are generally decent, better than like just straight up sugar. And, you know, and, and if I would get off track, you know, I could always, I always knew that I had those walnuts in there. And that's something I just kind of built in is to have these walnuts. And, you know, other, other things is that contingency so that when things go awry or not as planned, I don't default to, you know, jack-in-the-box or something. So, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's so important. Oh, it is. It is. It's, it's, it's tricking your mind. It's using your gut to tr- trick your mind into, you know, your mind's like, you, you're starving. You need food now. Look, there's a McDonald's. And your gut's like, yeah, but there's some walnuts there, too. Oh, I can eat the walnuts. Yeah. You know, and then I don't even have to yeah. stop. Now it's, you know, makes... You know, so it's, yeah, and that's me. That's that's kind of why, like I said, I do the clip bars in the center council because it's something, it's quick, it's fast, and clip bars are actually pretty filling. So one clip bar yeah. will fill me up and keep me going for a couple hours. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah, that's a, that's a, definitely a, one of my demons. I'm constantly battling, and, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's to answer your question. <laughs> Yeah, I've lost some weight. <laughs> then I gained it back. And now yeah. I'm losing some of it again. I never got back up to my peak, though, so that's a good thing. I caught it early. But, 
But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a constant battle. So I feel good about the successes that I've had, but I've also recognized I got a lot of shortcomings that I gotta uh, that I've gotta learn how to offset, and I gotta learn how to uh, I guess reprogram myself. Yeah, and that's it. It's a reprogramming of your brain and your gut, and just it's learning yourself and what you do. You know, you know me knowing that yeah. I'm gonna want to stop and get something to eat in the middle of the day. So having something in the car that I can grab. And, you know, I got lucky with one of my companies where I sat at a desk all day and I had a fridge right there and I could just turn around and grab, you know, a yogurt or something like that. But I don't have that now. Now I'm in the car most of the time. So I had to make sure I had yeah. things I could just throw in the, the center council and grab real quick. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I think it's important, you know, people so often, like when, when we fall apart on stuff like this, we kind of almost get this mindset. You even kind of talked about it and, and I did too. This idea that like, oh, I'm I'm broken. I can't, you know, this part of me can't be fixed. You know, that defeatist attitude. I'm yeah. broken, and, and I like that term reprogram because the reality is that none of us are broken, right? None of us, none of us are broken. Uh, and you know, we might have broken bones or things like that, but internally, none of us are broken. But every now and then, we do need to be reprogrammed, right? And so it's yep. not that we're broken. It's just that we need. We need to have a, a reprogram them. We need to reshape the way that we think. And but it has nothing to do with being broken. So anybody who's listening and is like, man, I've struggled with weight too, but there's no no overcoming it. This is just how I am. You know, I don't I don't believe that. I think that you just have struggled to reprogram. And if the focus is on how do I reprogram and not how do I lose weight, um, I think that, that that becomes a significant win when we can focus on how to reprogram ourselves just think and act differently, make different choices, you know, because consistent choices produce consistent results, whether they're good or bad, <laughs> but we choose what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so true. And it's one of the things that I've said, because, you know, right now I'm at a bigger weight that I really, really want to be, but I mentioned on the podcast before, it's because of choices I made. I made the wrong yeah. choices after my injury and that's my, that's on me and it's on me to like, and I really like that word that we've been using, reprogram myself to not be this size and to get back into, you know, a healthier lifestyle that will, you know, help me, you know, and facilitate me to be able to lose weight. So, and I think that's it. Like yeah. you said it earlier, it's like, stop focusing on the losing the weight and start focusing on the healthy lifestyle and the weight will follow. Yeah. And, you know, the other piece you know. too, that has been important for me is, um, and that I don't think people give enough credit to is that generally speaking, I, I'm not going to say everybody is like this, but generally speaking, the weight is not the problem. The weight's the symptom of a problem and there's something else going mm -hmm. on in our life that we have to address. And by not addressing it, what we're doing is we're taking it out in our diet or lack of activity or both. And so, you know, for me, I think about stresses that, you know, like, like what happened in my life that in the end changed my behaviors because I was going along just fine. And so what I've just discovered over this last year is how I use food as a coping mechanism, right? So for us, my, my wife and I, her parents are not doing well with their health and they couldn't really live on their own anymore. So July of last year, we bought a new house that was bigger. We brought them in with us. Well, that's a tough thing, <laughs> learning to yeah, live yeah. with adult roommates uh, that are significantly older, stuck in their ways, live a completely different lifestyle than you, and trying to bring those two lives together is super stressful. And so what I discovered yeah. 
I maintained from July through you know, November, the stress around that life just it made it easy for me to fall back into these old patterns to try to basically cope, use it as a coping mechanism. And so that's a, that's a piece too, is that if you're, if you're struggling with weight, if you're struggling with, you know, depression, if you're struggling with anything, you know, the reality is that while we want to focus on that and see it as the problem, it's probably just a symptom. And so really digging in to find out what are, what's the real problem I'm dealing with? Is it that's causing me to A, feel this way, B, act this way? You know, what's causing this to happen? Because it's likely that what you're most concerned about isn't the problem. It's just the symptom of the problem. And until you address the real problem, you're going to find the symptom keeps popping up. And that's that's what I found for myself is that, you know, whenever something would go awry in my life, my fallback would be food. So trying to reprogram becomes so important. Well, it does. It's one of those things. I mean, uh, for me, I, I think a lot of it is really, you know, like quitting smoking has been a big thing for me. And it's, oh, you, it's, it's finding a new way to reward yourself for me, you know, and it's, I mean, I hate to, you know, really compare it, but I mean, it really is a good comparison between smoking and, and, you know, weight is for me, anytime I did something in my life and something good happened, I celebrated with cigarettes. Anytime something bad happened, I coped with it with cigarette. And that was my coping mechanism for everything, whether it be good or bad, my celebratory or my coping, you know, coping with something bad, I would smoke a cigarette and that was it. And now I think one of my biggest things is, is when I quit smoking, I replaced a lot of that with food. So now my celebratory thing is food. My coping thing is food. And I need to find something better than that for my, you know, my celebratory and my, my coping method methods, methods to not be food, not be something unhealthy. So, yes. And that's, and but, that's a perfect example of that reprogram, right? You were programmed for cigarettes you reprogram for food and now you get to yep. try to reprogram for something else. Oh yeah. But man, it's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it in life, we're, we're, we're pre-programmed to make food or celebratory. Think about it, you know, birthdays, cake wedding cake every think of every holiday or every whatever there's a food associated with it thanksgiving turkey ham all that kind of stuff same thing with christmas you know there's gifts but there's also the food you know and there's our whole you know our our society is based off food as a reward so i mean absolutely it really makes sense that there's a that there's a lot of us that are overweight whenever we have you know something goes right I need to celebrate. Hey, you know, I did great on this test. Let's go get tacos. You know, I did great. You know, did this. Give me a cake. You know, oh, shoot. Yep. You know, something's gone wrong in my life. You know, my my, my cat died. Let's eat some ice cream. You know, it's yep. our whole, that's kind of how everything, how we're programmed from, you know, childhood. Yeah. So it's you know, reprogramming a, that. There's a really, I'm not a um, an avid reader in the sense of like opening up a book, but I am like totally addicted to Audible. <laughs> like anytime mm-hmm. I'm on the road, I'm listening to audiobooks like all the time. And, you know, there, there's a book that I listened to twice this year uh, just because it was that good. Like I literally listened to it and then started it again immediately. And I loved it. Nice. And it was during that time that I was recognizing my need to transition, starting to kind of wake up to what are the things that caused me 
to switch back to where to to eating badly and, and really just breaking through because I just don't want that to happen again, right? So I'm trying to troubleshoot. And say, well, what was it? And one of the greatest books around just food in general and the way that we think about it is this book called Mindless Eating, and it's by a guy <laughs> named Brian uh, Wansink. I think that's how you pronounce W A N S I N K. Not a sponsor, <laughs> but I think that they. Um, his book is awesome, and it talks about the psychology around food, so things like what you're talking about right now, and it's amazing. That's actually why when I get my – so I mentioned that I, I put my walnuts in, I pre-measure a quarter cup because so one of the things that he talks about is that it does not matter how big the package is, whether it's a fun-sized candy or a regular candy bar. If it's the option that you have, you will feel satisfied. And in all the surveys, it didn't matter. They could give some people full-size candy bars, some people half, some people fun-size, and then they, they would have them surveyed, do you feel satisfied? And 100% of the time, well, not 100%, I'm lying, the majority of the time, the answers were the same no matter the size of the candy bar. So it became this wake-up that one of the best ways to kind of mitigate your, the food you're bringing in is to pre-measure <laughs> and just make sure that the package yeah. itself is smaller. Because you'll feel just as satisfied in general. You'll feel just as satisfied no matter the size of the package. But knowing little tricks like that becomes so important when you're trying to reprogram. And, and this book was just awesome because it was filled with little things like and talking about the psychology yeah. around it and the, the tests that they did to kind of prove some of these things out. Man, it was awesome. But it's called Mindless Eating. So any of you guys listen, you got to listen to Mindless Eating. It's fantastic. That, that sounds awesome. I really, really wanted to say something bad there because my mind is horrible like that. But I was going to say, yeah. So you can, it's like someone tell my wife that. But yeah, so you can take that as you want. But you can you can toss my salad anytime. I was talking about the 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 size of the packaging, but yeah, <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just just wrap oh. it properly, and she'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. This is appropriate. Yeah, family friendly. I was never a fan of family friendly. Are we supposed to be family friendly? <laughs> We're supposed to be, you know. I mean, we we didn't really say the word, so it's so family friendly. It's so PG thirteen. That's okay. PG thirteen. Yeah. I mean, every now and then, as long yeah. as they don't say shit more than like twenty times, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you're yeah. good. Okay, so <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. And we're back. Yeah. So we, we've gone on this the, the the weight loss thing. What have you What have you been doing since? Since, you know, yeah, the, the stepping down as Beastmaster, and I know you've had some really, really cool things you've been working on. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, a big one, and, and the reason, the, the top, the bottom, I guess the, the main reason for stepping down is just because that is a real, reality. I had a business, I was, and my business was starting to suffer because of the amount of time it was taken for me to operate this, you know, this team, which didn't generate revenue. They intended yeah. to generate revenue, but it just, it wasn't working. And for a while there, I actually was thinking about how do I turn this team into something that's profitable? Can I, can I make this a business? And it just, I couldn't really think of a way that 
that wouldn't that where it wouldn't feel like I was taking advantage of the team, right? Like like it, it justified yeah. more time. I couldn't give it more time, and then it felt wrong to try to turn it into this you know super profitable you know machine, right? And so it just yeah. it just didn't work. So so I had to get back to business. There's just a reality. I had a business. I had to focus on it and take care of my friend, my family. Um, so I got I, I have a financial services firm, uh, Hooper Financial, and so I got back into just really operating that at a full level. We've uh, grown a lot, you know. Now we've got a business in Ketchikan, Alaska. We've got one in Olympia. Got one in Montesano. Um, you know, and just really kind of branched out over some other financial services firms. So we had a lot of growth there. Um, and then in the last like 18 months, uh, I've taken on a new project, which is, uh, I, it's called Breakthrough to Thrive. And this is really like a, an entrepreneurial coaching personal development brand where basically like, um, I've got some clients where their businesses. And they just need help from a leader, leadership perspective on what is it to actually govern and not just manage a business, but to govern a business. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, so kind of really focusing on helping organizations and individuals grow, develop, and thrive. Uh, I've done a lot of work on myself over the last, you know, particularly 10 years. And, you know, a lot of that work, I feel like I've learned a lot. And, and we've talked about some of it even tonight, you know. And so helping other people to recognize some of these things and to learn how to reprogram themselves and to identify that we're always going to be creating, it's just, are we creating the right things? You know, and, and so yeah. really focusing and then, and then with organizations, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate um, in the time that I stepped down from uh, the leadership with Beats, I've uh, taken my kind of volunteer time and thrown it at my local hospital and I've been on the board of this hospital now for 10 years, but really took over a leadership role as chairman of the board uh, about the time that I stepped down from Beast. And, you know, it's been so cool because we've grown that organization from like 75 employees to 350 employees. We've built a wellness center. We've built an outdoor fitness area. And so, I mean, it's just such a huge impact for our community. And so taking some of those concepts that I, you know, of my experiences there in helping other organizations to try to recognize that you, through just solid leadership, you can grow and develop a business is is important to me. And so those are, those are the things that I've been focused on. That's awesome. So if someone wanted to find you, you know, the on like Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, where where would they look? They would just look at Breakthrough to Thrive, the number two. So Breakthrough, the number two, Thrive. And then we've got Facebook. I'm posting on there like almost every day. Uh, I've got little quotes that I throw out there of just personal revelations. Like every day, I, I think it's really important to spend time to truly just think and self-reflect every single day. And so in that self-reflection, I generally come up with, you know, something that, that's like an insight or a revelation for the day. And I'll share that. And so I share that on those channels uh, Instagram and, uh, Facebook are probably the, the bet top two. Um, and, and so, yeah, breakthrough, the number two thrive. That's awesome. So that's good. So yeah, you're, you're on the, the host to breakthrough to thrive. You've got the, the Hooper financial and that, that's awesome. And I mean, that, it, 
Knowing that, you know, and I already knew all that, it it really explains why, you know, you kind of stepped away from the beast, you know, was to get, you know, the the personal life. I mean, that's the most important thing. Your family is, you know, more important than than anything. And that's one thing I know Adam and all of us have, like, talked about is that, you know, our families are more important than the the team. But, I mean, for most of us, the team has become a family. But, you know, we've still got a wife and kids that we have to take care of. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's, and it's, yeah. it's hard, you know, being, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard for anybody. It was definitely challenging when you got your own business. Cause it usually takes a, a lot of time. Like I find, you know, especially then at that point in time, I was finding myself spending, you know, 80 hours a week in my business. And so to do all the beasts on top of that was, especially as it grew, it was like, Oh my gosh, it's crazy. But you know, the, the beauty is now that where I kind of still get that same, satisfaction there's a ton of satisfaction that comes in in helping to build something like that is at least for Mm -hmm. me i find a huge amount of satisfaction in that and that's where you know breakthrough to thrive has kind of helped to fill that because i think about taking you know what i learned in building beasts and what i learned in building the hospital and building my business and now i get to kind of take that and help others to do the same and and that piece is that's the part that's fun for me. I really enjoy building things, but to be fair, I'm not always the greatest at being the one to continue to operate them into the future. Right? I'm great at building, but I need like even in my own business, I work to have an operator, someone who helps to keep me on track because I'm so focused on building all the time. I need that person to help remind me of the importance of operating. And so if I've got people who are great operators, but they need help in in vision and innovating and creating something new, that's the piece that I love to spend my time is in helping to innovate and create something new. And at the time, this was super innovative. There was nothing else regionally like it. And even on a national scale, while there were a few teams, it was still a new thing to have an obstacle course racing team. So it was you know, so spending that time and being innovative and trying to be creative and building, I, I love doing that. Like that's for me, that's a passion yeah. point. So yeah, that's that's where breakthrough to thrive has been cool because it's allowed me to take that and turn it into something that you know is a business, but at the same time helps other people and allows me to kind of hit on those passion points of building things. And I, I love that. See, that's awesome. And it really kind of goes to, I was talking to, you know, in an earlier podcast, uh, a friend of mine, Tatiana, about how once you find that passion, it changes everything. You know, it's like, you know, trying to tell kids to go to school, you know, college at 18, it's like, they don't know what they want to do. But once they figure uh-huh. out that passion, there's like nothing that can stop them, you know, and that's kind of, you know, you, you figured out your passion is to build, but sometimes you have issues with the, the once you built it. So, which is awesome. Yeah. And you know that about yourself yeah. and you know how to deal with it. It's the same, you know, we're talking about reprogramming your brain for food. You figure out how to program your, your you know, your brain for, you know, what you're doing for business. And hey, that's yeah, amazing. And leveraging, leveraging other resources to help kind of fill in yeah. your gaps, right? Yeah, and, and on the passion yep. piece, you know, my wife kind of experiences exactly what you're talking about. Like she spent you know, her, her whole adult life trying to figure out, you know, what she wanted to do. And in, in a sense, feeling like, well, you know, society says I should do this. Society says I should do that. People say I should do this. My folks say I should do that. And she's living in a society where she, you know, was just kind of 
And she, I think that she would kind of say that she was living life in a way that people said she should live it, right? And then she yep. finally decided that she was going to get into, you know, personal training, nutrition coaching, and yoga. And next thing you know, she starts taking classes and certified in all this stuff. And, oh, my gosh, she's like a totally different human being today. So, you know, going after that passion, while sometimes it can feel like a risk, and it is. There's a reality. It's a risk worth taking because you're going to find yourself being so much more successful at something that you love than, than that thing that even if it pays you a good paycheck, you know, hunting down that passion point and really falling through with it. I mean, my wife, I think, is a perfect example of that where, you know, she hunted this down and, man, she's having so much success. You know, she can't, she's getting the offers to run classes from all these different, you know, gyms and, and she's like, oh, my gosh, I didn't expect this. But it's because she's so passionate about it. She just has an energy around it that people cannot help participate in. You know? And anybody can have that. It's just a matter of yeah. figuring out what that passion is and truly getting committed to it. And it's, it's wild. When, when people find that energy that comes from it, nothing can stop it. Oh, it is. It's amazing. I mean, that's one thing, you know, and I've talked about this on stuff. I mean, for me, I've changed careers three or four times in my life. And I finally found now in my forties, the, the career that I want. And that's, you know, a safety professional in construction. And, you know, it's like, this is what I love. This is my passion. I love teaching people. I love going out, you know, talking to them and making, I know after every one of my classes, if one person's made better by one of my classes, then I've done right. You know, and I think yeah. a lot of that's, you know, part of that's OCR. You know, I learned really early that never, you know, and I mean, if I trained really hard and I quit my job and just train, 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 I could probably be an elite racer at some point, but that's, it's not for me. I'm not one of those. I don't care. I could, I don't care if I never podium, but if every race, if I make sure if I help one person and I get that, you know, that smile and I don't need a thank you, nothing, just that look in their eye of, oh my God, I did this obstacle. I needed some help, but I did it. Then I did my job. Then I'm happy. Yeah. And that's all I want yep. is just to help people get through what they need help with. And that's the whole point of, you know, construction safety. I mean, teaching, I teach first aid, CPR, OSHA, so many classes. And it's just amazing to me that feeling of helping people. So, and yeah. I never would have known that 10 years ago. Yeah. It's amazing how little, you know, these, these things that come up in life, right? And so whether it's the beasts or anything else, it's amazing how it creates that little ripple effect, right? And how it impacts mm-hmm. everything else you do forward. You know, it's it's wild. Like, I mean, I haven't, I don't even know, but like I think about even even with breakthrough to thrive. Well, where does it even come from? Well, part it comes from having to be seeing, you know, yeah. that I am able to take something from the ground, turn it into something bigger, right? And and then to be able to pass it on. That was a significant moment for me that as I, I look back, it's influenced behaviors in my life ever since. And it's in this belief, yeah. too, that I, I can do it, that I can take something from nothing and turn it into something that's, that can sustain and have a legacy, right? And that's that's been so cool. And like I said, one of my favorite pieces is watching the team now. Um, I like to participate in it, but there's a reality that one of the parts that's, that's kind of more fun is to just observe it is really cool. Oh, oh, it is. And it's just so amazing to see, 
you know, for me, it's hard for me to be able to sit back and just observe because for some reason, somehow everybody knows who I am and it's really creepy, but so that's weird. It, it is. It is. Is that a creepy, like you use the right words. Like I remember and it is creepy. I remember going and I had my nephew, Michael, and we're at a race. I don't remember which one. Doesn't matter. But we're at a race, and everywhere I went, endlessly, Beastmaster, Beastmaster, yep. Beastmaster. And my nephew looked at me. He goes, "Uncle Drew, you're famous here." <laughs> yeah. But it's so weird because people walk up to you, and it makes me think like this must be what it's like to be a movie star because people walk up to you and they act like they know you, and you're like, yeah. "Who the hell are you?" I can remember doing a race with my niece and we were walking through a festival for something and like everybody was, Hey, pretty Mike. Hey Mike, blah, blah. And I'm like, Hey, Hey. And all of a sudden my, my niece looks at me and goes, what's that? And I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Like, they all know you. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. You know, it's just well, like, and, yeah. And, Oh yeah. I've told the story before, but I'll say it again because, you know, like you, everybody knows Adam. And I remember the first time Adam ever raced with the team and the first time I ever met that guy. And he comes running up to me with this huge, like, cheating grin. Beastmaster! <laughs> he's got, you know, a high lead American flag headband. And he's got the American flag shorts and and he's this, you know, super, like, thin, tall, lanky guy. He's like, hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I can't wait to run with Beast. And, oh, I'm so cool. You've done the greatest thing. He's just, like, over the top. The energy level from him was insane. I'm like, please, like, just leave. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like, dude, you're smothering <laughs> me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's oh, yeah. funny, but it's like, but but I I can imagine because I mean I, I've met um you know I've met people where I know of them and they have no clue who I am and I and I know that feeling where you do feel like you know them right people yeah. I followed on the internet on YouTube things like that where I'm like dude I watch you every day and you truly feel like you know them as a human being and they're like I have no flipping who you are. And it's the weirdest feeling. It is creepy. It is creepy. <laughs> and I think I get it more now because of the podcast, because people know my voice and everything else, and they see my picture on on Facebook. And I can remember even at yeah. one of the, the races, I was talking to uh, Nick Thompson's uh, Josie, who I like Yoshi, and I was talking to her, and all of a sudden I hear from behind me, that's the voice of Beastnet. And I'm like, what the hell? What? <laughs> I'm like that is the creepiest thing ever. You recognize my voice. I'm like I'm like whoa, you know. And it just it, it's weird. Yeah. It gets really yeah. weird. And yeah, there's so many of them that are like oh hey pretty much. It's like I have no idea who you people are, you know. But yeah. I mean I love it. I mean that's what's awesome yeah. about the group and no, you know doing right. the it's podcast awesome. now is yeah. yeah it is it is awesome. But I mean at times it gets kind of weird. It does get weird yeah. at times. Are so you just like. Huh. Yeah, there's those moments yeah. where you're like, well, and too, sometimes you just kind of want to have a moment at the race, maybe to either appreciate what it is you just did or, you know, to mentally yeah. prepare if you're really wanting to get into this race. And it's almost impossible because every oh, moment 
somebody's knocking down your door. Oh, and and it's fantastic. So for those listening, I mean, just understand it is a really cool feeling, but it's weird if it's something you've never experienced before. It is really weird to get accustomed to what it is to be, you know, quote unquote famous at that event. And it's it's yeah. weird. And it's <laughs> I, I'm still I, I still don't, you know, even all the time now and I mean it is weird. Because I mean part of it too is like you know, especially with like the Spartan events because I'm street team, so I meet a lot of people at the exit tent and then I'm also, you oh, know yeah. on you know do a lot with BSOCR and then have the podcast. And so I have all these different areas and all of a sudden they like collide and everyone's like, Oh, and I'm like, Oh, I have no idea who you are. And a lot of times, you know, you, you don't want to admit sometimes when someone's like, Hey, do you remember me? And you're like, no, no idea. (laughs) Yeah. No idea. No. Yeah. Cause for them, that, that first interaction, like, like Adam, it probably was, in that moment, super exciting to meet me because you know he felt like he'd found something that he'd been looking for, and he he looked yep. and, and I was the guy that helped to make that happen, right? And so it was super exciting, and he was totally pumped and excited. <laughs> but yeah, it's, the energy that can come from that is is overwhelming sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, and it can because yeah, there's there's been a few times where there's some things like well, I really remember some people. But then others, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't remember. It's like I've been, yeah. I, I figured out the other day, I've done over 30 Spartans. And it's like, oh, you know, people wow. are like, oh, do you remember, you know, meeting me at this Spartan? And I'm like, I don't honestly remember doing that Spartan. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's no, like my brain just, that. you know, I remember tomorrow. <laughs> yesterday, yeah. I can't even think. Yeah, like I remember yesterday. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's been a fun journey, and I mean, it, it's crazy to think that it all started with you know pretty much me and you dying on the side of a mountain. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah, do have to, still my favorite really, metal. Oh, me too. That is still yeah. my favorite metal. Yep. So yeah, that was uh, yeah nine and a half hours of hell. <laughs> I earned that son of a bitch. was. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Oh yeah. Like I, I yeah. just remember hitting the end, and it was twister or not twister, but the the rig at the end. And all three of us, we kind of came over that one wall or the not the a frame, but the this I can't remember what they call it. Came over one of the one of the obstacles, and you're looking at the the rig, and I'm like, I can't do that. There's no way my body's gonna allow me to do that. And then we're like, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna ride each other's shoulders, and I'm like, hey, I like that idea. So. <laughs> That's back when you could yeah. still do that. Now they don't let you do that anymore. That's when but you can do it. Yeah. 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 No. That was the only way to do that then. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was, I've never done a Spartan quite like that one. That one will not oh. only because it was no. the first one, but there was a lot of obstacles in that one that I never saw again. Um, yeah. I've never seen them do the, the, the drag with drug, the, uh, the CMU block, oh, the cinder block. I've never seen that again. Yeah, the cinder block. Never seen that again. And they dug those holes in the path, so you're like, oh, yeah, God, that was horrible. That was horrible. Uh, I yeah. literally, well, you might even remember, I, but at the end of that one, I was, I was like, <laughs> I yeah. had a moment where I'm like, get the golf cart, get me the hell out of here. You know, is what was going through my yep. mind. Uh, that was brutal. That was tough. Oh, was. And then there was what they had a, what well, one of the log carry or was it one or two of them? They had at least one of the log carries where you went through a marsh that was almost like chest deep while you were clearing the log. I've yeah. never seen them do that yeah. one again. Yeah. yeah. 
And there was a few others that oh, were just like, hey, oh, I was done after that. Yeah. I never wanted to do a sport again. So I don't know, maybe you've done a worse one, but for to me, that was the worst bucket carry I've ever had to do. That bucket carry oh, was yeah. so steep and so long. It was torturous. It took forever just to do the damn bucket carry. Oh, yeah. That was a long torch one. They had a couple in Montana that are like that. I remember that one was horrible, and they did one another year. Oh, no, it was a sandbag one year where you actually, like, went up and over a hill, and it was in a mud bog. And they, they love to use the mud and, the, the like, the marsh in Montana that just kills you. Because you're just yeah. swapping through it, trying to carry something heavy, and you're like, this is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, that's... Yeah, that was a that was a tough one. That's uh, that's one that it was changes you. <laughs> it did, and I mean, I'll be honest. If it wasn't for beasts, and I mean, me being a part of beasts, I probably never would have done another one. Even though I had two free races because I volunteered, you know, the the day before. Me and Amber both volunteered. I don't know if I would have done yeah. another one. But then being part yeah, of the beast I, group and then going to the workouts and. All that, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, let's do another one. I, I completely forgot how much I hated that one that I just did. <laughs> yep. No, the, the, uh, that, I guess <clears throat> the connection and the culture, those two things can pull people out of, of those, right? And that was always one of the funnest parts is just seeing people show up and the first time and they'd be intimidated, like, oh, I've never done one of these. And I don't know that I'm physically capable of doing one of these. And then they do one, and they're like, yes. You know, and like this year, I for the, the Super, the Seattle Super, or not Seattle Super, the Seattle Sprint, um, I brought people who'd never done a Spartan race before. There were, there were four of us, um, and three of mm-hmm. them, no, five of us, and four of them had never done a Spartan race. And they were you know, intimidated. They're like, what the hell did you get me to do this for? And we finished, and they're like, I want a trifecta. So now we yeah. to go and do a trifecta next year because they got the bug, you know. Uh, but it's that it's it's the camaraderie though that makes that happen. You know, if they if they hadn't run as part of a team, if they hadn't run together, probably would lose that, and they might not have that same fire in their belly for it, you know. Oh no, they wouldn't. I mean, that's one thing. You know, I've said it before on on the podcast. If I had not run into you and Jason on that hill, I would have quit. I was done. I was like, I'm done. This is stupid. I'm not doing this. And then running into two of you got me to continue going. And not only that, it got me to continue racing. I mean, I didn't want to, I was done. I was like, after I finished that, I'm like, I don't want to do this again. You know, this was stupid. It was ridiculous. And then I think it was, we'd ended up, me and Amber Survivor with, you know, a bunch of you guys and Jason was there and, yeah. you know, helped hand out yeah. stuff afterwards and volunteered and did all sorts of stuff. And then it was the group just kind of kept me like, yeah, I do want to keep doing this. I want to keep doing these. And if it wasn't one for the group, I think I would have just done, it would have been one and done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Oh, Yeah. But we should probably wrap this up. Usually, I try and stay about an hour, and we're almost. Oh, we're probably we're about an hour and tw- we're about an hour and twenty now. <laughs> so I talked to him. No, no, this was this has been a blast. I was I love having you on the show because you you do talk a lot. But you you talk about things people want to hear. It's not like some people talk a lot, and you're like, hey, "Shut up! I'm tired of hearing your crap." 
you i mean it's all stuff i mean it's great it's awesome it's great great to listen to um i love talking to you every time so um yeah it's well, been awesome having you on like fun what what would you like to say to the listeners on your you know to sum everything up yeah well so i guess you know to just sum it up uh the team is awesome it's been fantastic to be a part of it it was exhilarating to start it um and you know i think that it's it's just in a way kind of inspired me to to continue to just personally develop and change myself and so i would just encourage you if um you know, you're on Facebook, Instagram, follow Breakthrough to Thrive. I put some cool stuff out there uh, today, and I love to just share the, the messages that come to me and the, the learnings that I've had, and I, I hope that you would find them to be beneficial too. Um, but I'd love to have you just follow. Um, you know, that's, that'd be cool. It'd be really cool and just another way to stay connected to people. Right on. And I will make sure. I'll make sure that when we post this episode that we also post all the links to your, you know, social media so people can find you easier. So oh, it's been That'd be great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been great talking to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I look forward. I think we definitely need to do this again. So this has been a blast. All right. All right. Well, thank you, Drew. Congratulations on 150. That's pretty sweet. Yep, 150 episodes. And it's we're just getting started. So I think there's gonna be a lot more awesome. to come. So there's a lot of a lot of changes that haven't been announced at like maybe a, a third of us from Canada. But you know, that's that we can talk cool. about that later. So yeah. <laughs> All so, right. It's a well, lot of changes coming up. All right. Well thank you, Drew. All right, thank All right. you. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the B Snap Podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. This show is brought to you by James Safety Services in partnership with Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or at beastocr.com.